the ABC's word wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Rowley Sussex. It's that time of day, the ABC's word wizard, Rowley Sussex, OAM, Emeritus Professor from the School of Languages and Cultures at the University of Queensland is here, willing and able to talk with you about words, language and linguistics. one 212 is the number you can call. That's one 212 Rowley. Why, how, who, what, where, when? You want to begin this week by talking about how we ask questions. And indeed, how do you know it is a question? Because when you see it written on the page, it may or may not have a question mark after it. And by the way, before we go any further, the Spaniards have a really interesting little twiddle here. They write a question mark upside down at the start of a question and put a question mark the right way up at the end so that you know what you are about to receive is indeed a question. And that's actually quite tricky because, you know, sometimes in English you don't know whether people are asking a question or not. And so that, that's a nice convention. Only the Spaniards do it. They also do it with exclamations. So what you are about to receive is... Listen up, baby. Would the Spaniards put a upside-down question mark at the beginning of a rhetorical question? I believe they do, even when... We'll talk about rhetorical questions in a moment, when it's not really a question at all. Because questions are one of the... They're, they're called speech acts, one of the things we do with language. We pass information, we request information, we um, beseech, we threaten, we promise, uh, we perform... They're called performatives. I hereby pronounce you man and wife. Right? And by uttering those words, you actually bring about a state of you no know, change of social status, as it were. So all of these are part of the speech acts. And questions, we think of, oh, it's a question. Well, there are three sorts of questions, really. And there's a rising question on a statement, which you did at the start, where it actually got the same words in the same order. It's raining today, statement. It's raining today? I don't believe it. That's a question, all right? Second one is when we got what's called a WH word, and you, you gave a great list of those, right? When, why, how, and so on. And those ask for information, right? Not yes-no questions, but, but information questions at three o'clock, right? Behind on, in, in, no, in Annie's room behind the clock or whatever it is. And then we've got a really interesting thing in English where we invert verb and subject, so, you go to the shop. We can't say, go you to the shop. But you do in most European languages. You just turn them upside down, and that's a question. In English, you've got to have a modal verb. So, can you go to the shop? Would you go to the shop? Might you go to the shop? Will you go to the shop? Will you go to the shop, etc. And if you don't have anything, you've got to provide do. Do you go to the shop? Right? And that, that's kind of sitting there waiting to happen in order that you want to make a question. So English has this odd little thing, unlike any other European language that I know of, in that you can't just flip verb and subject around and make a question. You've got to put this do thing. It's called do support. And do is in there to help things happen. And that's the modal verb. That's a modal verb. There's all sorts of modals like can and would and can and be. So these are all the, the, the tricks about making questions. And you can make a feeble joke between two. Remember, there's two sorts of questions. There's a, an information question. When did you do this? And a yes-no question, do you want some coffee? Um, and someone says, do you want coffee or tea? And you say yes. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, ha, ha, you yeah. know. But we like playing with language. It's a feeble joke. Now, if you're going to make 
a question in lots of languages, particularly an information question, it's uh, sorry, a yes-no question, it's a bit different. In Polish, you just put CZY, czy, at the start of a statement. So, I'm going to town today, czy, I'm going to town today, makes it a question. Hmm. In Chinese, you put ma at the end. And in Russian, you put li in second position. And those flip a statement into a question. So, there are all sorts of ways in which grammar does it. But our questions in English can be quite complicated. And you can even ask a question without the form of a question. For example, I, I wonder if there's a loo round here. Means help, I need a lavatory. <laughs> Please, is there one in the neighbourhood? Question mark, question mark. All right, come to my aid. So the act of asking a question, you know, grammatically, need not be the speech act of asking for information and vice versa. So questions are one of the most important bits of language, you know, because one, among the things that we do between each other, right, passing information, requesting information, and getting action to happen together are part of the most important ones that we've got. I was speaking to a couple's counsellor once who suggested the best way to ask a question of your partner isn't to ask a question at all, but make a statement out loud and yes. just see what happens next. Yeah, wait for Armageddon. Mm. Or sometimes a question can be rather confronting. You know, if you actually put someone on the spot and say, were you in front of the pub at five o'clock holding a knife and threatening that person? Right. Uh, rather, you might say, it has been reported that, or there is a view that, or someone says that, you know, and it may get you out of the firing line. So managing questions, and again, some, some cultures are happy to say, straight up front, yes or no, bang. Yes. Um, Israelis are famous for this. Uh, other countries, like many Asian countries, you know, the Japanese, the Koreans, are very unhappy with a confrontational question. A direct and they will question. Find very, very elegant ways around it so that you don't actually appear to be putting someone on the spot. And then there are the questions you ask where you know the answer, or at least you're trying to elicit the answer you want to hear. For instance, darling, you don't intend to leave your clothes scattered all over the floor, do you? you? Right. There's only one correct response to that um, that question, really, and it's not really a question at well, all. One, one response is <laughs> you can hear the sound of a banging door as the person leaves in a hurry, yeah. But that's an interesting question. Again, you ask a question, do you want to do this? Don't you? All right, now you, there's the do again, all right? Mm -hmm. And it, it comes in the other way around with a negative. Or you don't want to do this, do you? Negative questions are more persuasive. Negative questions are very problematic because you don't really think of this, do you? Right? No, no, of course not. Wait a second. I didn't well, mean to agree with you, but I am. But if you say yes, mm -hmm. are you agreeing to the negative bit or to the question <laughs> itself? The French have got this sorted out. They say, they say oui, meaning yes, I agree with the negative bit, or si, no, I agree with the proposition itself. Huh. And it is really clear which one you're consenting to. And that's a neat little bit of language, which we don't have in English. Jolly clever. Here yeah. we are with our modal verbs trying to make the most of it. But there's also <laughs> the problem of intonation inflection. Jay at the Atherton Tablelands on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland with me, Kat, and Professor Rowley Sussex. What would you like to say? Hello. <laughs> howdy, Rowley. Howdy, Kat. Love your work. I just love it. G'day, Professor. Hello. I'm Rowley, please. Oh, Rolly, okay, Rolly. Um, you said something in a previous program about the people that wanted English to stay exactly as it was, and, and it was a sort of a jokey hint that there might be riots? <laughs> well, <laughs> there are other parts of Australia where there are riots at the moment, but they're not about language, I don't think. No, but I thought we'll give them something to write about, Professor Rowley. Oh, right, yeah. Well, riots, certainly. But um, I, I, I understand you're, you're interested in inflection, is that right? <laughs> 
No, it's the question mark. Oh. I've come up with Quinglish. My great great repeating granddaddy is the inventor of the dictionary, Samuel Johnson. Oh, really? And I knew I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, oh. really. All right, Johnson was a marvellous fella. Um, in 1755, he produced the first real big dictionary of English, and uh, the French had just spent 40 people, I think, had spent 50 or 60 years producing their dictionary. Johnson was just one person with a couple of helpers, and he was rather fond of saying that an English did this in much shorter time. Than <laughs> dictionary of 40,000-odd words, and it was the first time we had an authoritative place to go to to know spelling, usage and all sorts of details about how words actually functioned and uh, he he was he was the person who drew the line in the sand and said this is where english is well Rolly, i have to interrupt because i'm a red line specialist and i said dear grandfather yeah. i'm putting a red line for all your syntax week chucking it all out with the baby in the bathwater <laughs> uh, yeah. to professor Rowley suffolk uh, and ask him what he thinks of my quinglish quick english because we don't need question marks do we Rowley? you know that was a question Rowley, don't you uh, yeah well you're asking a question <laughs> and i'm I'm going to be very bold and say, well, I think actually we do. Uh, because if you've got something which is the, in the form of a question, all right, as in uh, in Kat's question, you know, you you don't expect to do that, da, 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 dot, dot, dot. Yeah, then, then if it's... If it's spoken, you've got the person's body language, you've got raised eyebrows, you've got intonation going up, all right? Yeah. It is a question. If it's written your cues are very, very much limited. And so we depend an awful lot on the form of the sentence and on the present, presence of that dear old question mark. Not in Quinglish, because it's quick English for shorthand and texting and those sorts of things. Ah, mm. okay. Formal language, but it is very, very, very comprehensive. And with the throwing out of this old syntax, mm -hmm. I thought I'd try and get up those people's nose that want to keep it the same, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> what you called them. You had a name for those people. Did I? The, yeah. the folk who want things to remain exactly as they are oh. and have been at least for the last 50 or so years, which yeah. is we're such a long period of time. <laughs> yeah. Could have been Luddites. The Luddites were people who broke, broke machines in. The cheap in the, Luddites. It couldn't have been them. It couldn't have been them. No, no. Um, but uh, you're right that in test texting and so on, by and large, punctuation has gone. Uh, and if you put in a full stop at the end of something, it can actually sound quite rough and confronting you know i i can't i can't see you at five o'clock no punctuation right whatever you know i can't see you at five o'clock full stop means i really don't want to see you at five o'clock and i'm going to avoid that meeting whatever so the bits of punctuation that are left the exclamation monk mark sorry monk mark uh, beloved of comics and things you know if you haven't got 17 of them it's not doesn't really, count, it's doesn't count yeah. and the question mark actually does have some information content because on, on SMS, it's hard to know. Jay, thank you so much for your call and your cheekiness. It is greatly appreciated. <laughs> we is. will have to just keep moving because we have quite a number of people keen to speak with Rolly. We want to make sure we can get as many calls and comments through as possible. one three hundred triple two six twelve is the phone number. You're on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. 25 minutes past two. My name is Kat Finney, Professor Rolly Sussex, your word wizard with you this afternoon, wondering about questions, rhetorical questions, Rolly. Mm. A rhetorical question has the form of a question, 
In other words, it's got all the bits where you'd expect a question to be. But it mean it happens when I know the answer and you know the answer, and we're not really expecting anyone to offer an answer. You know, what has John ever done to save the reef? What have the Romans ever done for us? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, or as in Peter Sellers years and years ago, what about the workers? <laughs> uh, well, what about the workers indeed, sir? Which is what the next bit of Sellers' thing was. Um, very often used in political talk uh, where you want to raise an issue in a often a, a confrontational way, mm -hmm. almost daring the other people to come up with an answer but not expecting it. And then you can go on to make the point you want to make. So a rhetorical question is a bit different from the pointed question that you were asking about leaving your clothes on the floor, which is expecting an answer and it actually is trying to provoke, provoke action and, and a little grovel and a various other response things well. and yeah. get the... the Flipping clothes off the flipping floor. Oh. It's, not, it's a wardrobe, not a floor drove. Yeah, but we can we can put questions in in all sorts of ways. I I had a lovely, true uh, event years ago in Melbourne when I was head of Russian in the department there, and this bloke came in. He was a spe Russian speaker, but had pretty good English. And I said, "Would you like to sit down?" And he said, "Yes," and stayed standing. Oh, but he would like to. Yes. So <laughs> he had, he, had he understood I the see. question? Yes, he said yes. But had he understood the what's called the pragmatics of the question, which is, in fact, this is a polite request or an order, would you like to sit down means, mm -hmm. please do sit down. Now, in Russian, you would say, which means, do sit down, please. And if it's a dog, you'd say, <laughs> yeah. so the dog understands who's boss. But um, he had understood the form of the question and had responded correctly in English, yes. I would like to. But he hadn't understood the pragmatics, which is, I am actually saying, please do sit down. And then he left your office saying, that roly bloke made me stand the whole time and he knew that I wanted to Bottom sit down. Teller, yeah. Whereas in court, Kat is, is saying, you know, do you actually intend to leave your clothes on the floor? The answer is yes. <laughs> no, it isn't. Um, <laughs> not if you want dinner tonight. Uh, the the other question, question I have, uh, Rolly, um, is... Something that escapes me at the moment. No, I've got it. So we were talking about cultural differences. And one thing I find interesting, when I learned Italian many years ago mm -hmm. um, at the Dante Alighieri Society in Brisbane, the point was made by um, Professor Stravka that you should never ask an Italian, come stai, mm. how are you? Which mm. is one of the first things that Australians want to know yeah. how to ask in Italian. Yeah. You want to know how to say hello. Yes. And you want to know how you say, how are you going? Or mm. how are you? Because yeah. this is a common form of greeting in Australia. It's the beginnings of a polite and conversation. caring conversation. The Italians, however, if you ask them how they are, they will tell you in great detail mm. how you are mm -hmm. or how they are, according to uh, mm -hmm. Professor Stravka, which just illustrates that a question in English mightn't actually be a question at all. How are you? It's just an extension of get a. And if mm -hmm. you were to respond with a description of how you really were, yes, you might find yourself breaching some unspoken protocol that makes it yeah. very hard. And in fact, this is jumping from language to language. You know, if you think I ask a question like this in English, and it's a standard way I start. Now, how are you going? And you expect someone to say, "Fine, thanks. How are you?" But there's really not much passage of information. It's, I'm pleased to see you. I hope you're pleased to see me. We will have a, no, or not. But if you say to someone, how are you going today? And they say, oh, well, actually, my temperature is 97.3. And you really need to know about the state of my liver. The, the question has actually got the wrong answer. And this is why you need to know the pragmatics. Right? This is, how are you, is a kind of informal, friendly, ritualistic greeting. 
Yeah. Just not expecting an information answer. When I'm feeling cheeky, I do give an information answer. Just to <laughs> how did I suspect that that might be the case? Yeah. Uh, let's bring in Craig from Karina this afternoon on ABC Brisbane and Queensland with Professor Ollie Sussex and me, Kat. Hello, Craig. Katsan to Rolly-san, ogenki Oh, hello, Japanese. <laughs> Why did uh, Rolly did? Did English ever have, because in Japanese you say car if you're asking a question, mm-hmm. did English ever have a spoken version of a question mark? I don't think so, um, because already it had the forms um, of the question that I went through before. In other words, the question mark, the rising uh-huh. intonation, the inversion of orders with, an, uh, with, an, with a uh, modal. Mm. In older English, they did actually flip subject and verbs. You know, Go, goest thou to the, to, the, to the market this morning was yeah. okay. So that we didn't actually have a, what's called a question particle. Okay. And as I said before, the, um, in Polish it's first, in Chinese it's last, in Russian it's in second place, and that immediately forms turns an ordinary statement into a question the way the Japanese do. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. Craig in Corina. It's interesting because when you read um, a book, Rolly, and mm. there's a question in a book, uh, often the question mark, in fact, exp- you know, usually unless the character is interrupted, there is a question mark to denote the question. Yes. But there are question sounds that you write. They're not recognised words, or are they the mm? Hmm? Well, if you do, what have you got? M M M M or U M M M M? Would that pass muster in Scrabble? I see it in my books. I do. Uh, I don't think it's in the Chambers Dictionary. Which says <laughs> it doesn't pass for Scrabble. <laughs> but the trouble with writing is that it actually is a very much poorer way of communicating. Hmm. The amount of information that's available is a lot less. And in fact, there's a an American anthropologist, I think, called Mehrabian, um, psychologist, who who did a, a study where he said that in certain sorts of of um, sentence the actual information in the words is about seven percent seven right and all the rest is body language tone of voice expression intonation all the things which let you know i mean would you like to go to go to dinner with me tomorrow night yeah yes would you like to go to dinner yes right yes these are totally different statements and with m m m and um and so on the Spoken language is only able to recognize that in a very, very limited way. And so you've got to do other things, as we do with, say, emojis on SMSs, to provide expression of face, tone of voice, all these sorts of things which make you make you realize the person is feeling nicely or not <laughs> about what you're saying. Well, I'm feeling very nicely about what you're saying this afternoon, Professor oh, Rowley Sussex, oh. on ABC Radio Brisbane in Queensland, half past two. My name is Kat. Judith is in Peachester. Uh, how are you, Judith? How you, how you going? <laughs> um, or, how are you going? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, with the regards to the how are you and how we do it automatically, quite a number of years ago I was having cancer treatment, so I was bald and I was looking like crap. And each time I'd go in for a medical appointment, they'd say, hello, how are you? And I'm thinking, ah, what do you think? I'm here for, you know, this invasive procedure or something. Mm. Until one woman actually at a, at a cancer care centre said, how can I help you? And I thought, oh, ah. she understands. Right. She understands and she didn't ask how are you. And it's just such an automatic response. It is too. The funny thing though, Judith, is that if the person doesn't say anything, all right, then you might assume that they're cross with them, cross with you, or you've done something wrong, or there's something wrong about the interaction. So you actually do need some form of voice to do something. 
Um, I was out riding my bike this morning, and you know, as we pass walkers, we, we tend to say, hi there, morning. So there is something which acknowledges the other person, and although it, you know, by the time we've, we've ri ridden past, there's no chance of conversation, it's still part of the rituals of interaction. My... my um uh Granddad Judith used to sort of giggle about the Australian way of asking how you're going, and he sort of, you know, put it that it was um, a problem associated with a culture that hadn't quite grown accustomed to talking mm -hmm. about feelings. Oh, yes. And so you just get that question out of the way real quick, and then you move on. How are you going? Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, good. End. <laughs> well, a friend of mine, an Australian, went to America, and and he said, "Hey, go, mate, all right." And the American looked at him and sort of puzzled for a bit and then said, do you realise that you've asked a question, given me a form of address and the answer all in one? Sufficient, mate. What can I say? Sufficient, mate. Yeah. Judith, I think you make an excellent point. You do, yes. But again, if, if, if the, the form of verbal ritual is absent, you get to be worried. See, this is why I've always liked the French after the introduction with yes. French and you say enchanté and you mm. tell someone that you're enchanted to meet them. That's, That's just right. nice. Yes. I wouldn't mind yes. saying hello. Yes. Enchanted. Yes. Next. Uh, yeah. Or, or in, in the French say, I am desolated to know you won't be at tea this afternoon. Oh, really? Desolé. Desolé. Oh. You know, and and, and you know, that, sounds, that sounds to us a bit over the top. In French, it's just a standard way of saying, oh, what a pity. What a pity indeed. Uh, thank you very much, Judith. We'll keep moving. Uh, Marilyn at Oxley, uh, again with a question about uh, the verbal question mark. And, and you think that we do have a verbal question mark, eh? Well, uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> in Queensland, eh? Hey. Right, yeah. You know, I never every question is like that, eh? Uh -huh. Right, but you, the trouble is that you can use A when you're not really asking a question at all, you know. Oh, you can? Yeah, well, no, you I can. can eh? uh, uh, exactly. Uh, I saw, saw Bill riding a bull the other day, eh? Yeah, well, then you're asking a question, aren't you, then? Because you want to know you? Whether, whether, bull, yeah, whether you've seen Bill riding a bull also. There's an, yeah, that implication that we're saying, yeah. have you seen it or... Know of it and etc. Yeah. Or well, what yeah. do you think? That's right, eh? Yeah. yeah. Well, it it, it certainly can be a question marker, uh, but it usually goes along with rising intonation. A, mm -hmm. or not a. A would be a, a, a? statement. A, 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 rising intonation, and that's another problem because of HRT, which is not hormone replacement therapy, but high rising tone. Oh. Oh. And you did it at the start. You know, you're going down to the pub this afternoon with me, mate. You know, dang, dang, dang. Um, it started in Victoria in female teenagers in the 70s and has now become a more or less standard intonation. How on earth did they pinpoint the blame on Victorian schoolgirls? They did some very... Who was very, the they? How did this some, happen? Some female linguists, one of them called Judith Von Willer, yeah. in Victoria, went out and actually tracked it down. And it was originally... A, I've gone. I've gone this far in my sentence. Do you understand? May I continue? It actually was a request, uh -huh. a sort of a continuation request. Um, and when the other person responded, then off they went. Japanese do this. It's called back channeling. And uh, if you're talking to someone in in Japanese and you pause for a moment, they may say hi, which means yes, meaning I've got that. Terrific. Pray continue. Proceed. Uh, proceed. But if, if, you, if they then do that in English, you know, and I say to you, um, we've got several things to talk about. Hi! It sounds, you know, what have I done? In fact, it's just good manners in Japanese transferred into English. And if we don't do it in Japanese, they feel very, very uncomfortable. I think, though, the point about A is a good one because in many situations, A can not only be the verbalised uh, question mark, but an mm. entire sentence in and of itself, Marilyn, wouldn't you agree? Oh, um, yeah, eh? Yeah, eh? There you go. Eh? Uh, uh, you just accepted what you've said, let you know that and go, eh? Yeah, uh, exactly. Oh, but hang on, you went, eh? 
How do you spell A in this case? Do you sp- how would you spell it, Marilyn, if you were writing it? Probably two letter A's, but if I really want to extend down, I might go A. A, yes. A, but that's a, where you are in Queensland. Yeah, further, it, it does further inland, the longer it gets. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the further north and the further the further from the coast. But again, this could be E H E Y. Um, but not A Y E, as in I. Probably not. That's, that's that's I rather than A, which is an affirmation. And I is an old way of saying yes, which we've largely got rid of now, yeah, right. which is a pity. But again, these are these are again beautiful in beautiful proof why the spoken language is richer and, in fact, much more secure in terms of communication about what your pragmatics are on about. How are your pragmatics doing today? Good, eh? Yeah. Uh, Marilyn at Oxley, thank you very much. On ABC Radio Brisbane in Queensland, Professor Rowley Sussex with you. My name is Kat. Rowley's here to have a word in your ear. Mark is in central Queensland. Hello, Mark. Michael, how are you? Michael, pardon yes, me. This is, this is Michael calling. Oh, I think we're just losing you there, Michael. Let me, I'll just pop you on hold and producer Robbie Mitchell's going to see if we can get you back on a slightly clearer line because I think you've got a great question but we'll find out in a moment when we can get you back uh, on a line that we can hear you on a little bit better 20 minutes to 3 um, I think with questions Rolly is there anything else we need to keep in mind in regards to the correct approach to questioning okay first thing is uh, make sure you understand how the grammar of questions works Mm -hmm. you know they're using they don't try and invert subject and verb which some people do when they're learning english second thing is uh, as you said in italian there are certain questions which you may and may not ask in certain contexts and this is where things get very tricky because it's part of your cultural practice rather than actually using the grammar and you can produce a beautifully formed question which can be in some cultures very insulting so that you need to be very careful about that. And in, if in doubt, um, ask the other person, does that sound right, okay when I say this in your language? You know, and they'll tell you or not. It's just funny what, uh, what the taboo questions reveal about a culture. For example, oh, yes. do pray tell, Rolly, yes. tell me, yes. how old are you? Yes. Which is a question that some people feel very uncomfortable about. Yes. Well, in, in Why? Vietnam, is it because we're all ageist? Yeah. Yeah, well, why? In, why? We are ageist a bit in in this country. We particularly. are definitely ageist a lot in this country, according and, to the latest research. It's and, a real and problem. And genderist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, I may not ask a lady her age. She She's might just ask me mine mm-hmm. because I'm of the older generation. In Vietnam, knowing someone's age is absolutely fundamental to knowing whether you address them with polite pronouns or familiar pronouns. And in Vietnam, if you're a twin and you're born, born first, then the younger twin has to address you politely throughout their life. <laughs> Was only two minutes. With only two minutes. Yeah. Mike in Westlake. Good afternoon. Good day, Rolly. Hi, Mike. Hey. 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 Well, you know, I went to the pictures today, so I did. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but that. What exactly is that? A but, saying? Is it? Is it? The uh, did you get me? Did you understand? Or is it just a kind of filler, like but, which doesn't really mean very much. I think it's I'm a filler. Mate, I was brought up in Toowoomba, and we were taught to speak properly. And a mate went up to North Queensland, and now he says, "Hey." I went and did a job today, so I did. Hey. Yep. Meaning, did you get that, or I'm just finishing yeah. my my sentence? No. Yeah, did you get, so I did. Yeah. And the funny thing is that with, when you're used to saying A at the end of sentences, if you leave it out, the people who know you well will think that something's wrong. Yeah, but the butt's the other one in North Queensland. Oh, but, but yeah, but is all over. Um, the, the Canadians, by the way, say A as well. We're not the only ones that do it. Mm-hmm. How mm. about the butts? Uh, I don't think but. 
But was something I definitely noticed when I moved from Tassie to oh, yes. Gladdy. Oh, yes. Yeah, but. But yeah, then, but. you you know, you've got the little Britain comedy sketch with it's Yerba No, but Yerba No, but Yerba No. Oh, was that Vicar of Dibley? Must be. Yerba No, but. Yes, Vicar of Dibley. I think it was, yes. So the British yes. thing, so the British do the, the butts. The Brits do, do some butts as well, yes. When, How did it come about? I think it's just finding. You, you, you think. Well, here's an example. You go to the supermarket, and the person on the thing on the supermarket says, um, do you, "Is that all you want today, or do you want any more cash today?" What's today got to do with it? Well, if you say, "Do you want any more cash, or do you want some cash out?" Mm -hmm. Stop. Mm -hmm. It can sound a little bit brusque, so you put in another word to sort of soften it and lead on. Do you want some? Do you want some cash out today? And if you listen carefully, you'll find people doing this an awful lot, uh, and it's it's just a habit. It's part of accepted good manners. I find that a lot of questions now end with the word or. They do. They do. So it'll yes. be, do you want to go for drinks or... or? In other words, I'm not pushing it on you. Yeah. This is a, you know, you've got a, a, you have the option of offering something else. Finally, but uh, I was going to say last, but not my, no, I'm just going to stop talking now because Valerie has, <laughs> <laughs> Valerie has been waiting so patiently uh, to speak with you, Rolly. Valerie, thank you very much for holding. We were rounding out our conversation about questions, but you now have the floor. Valerie, fire away. Uh, thank you. Uh, I did enjoy all the, all the uh, banter about the questions. That do you do you want tea or coffee? And they answer yes. That's mm. very annoying. <laughs> if you add it with sugar or milk, and you still don't get an answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. My, my, question, my question today is nothing to do with that. Okay. Uh, it's it's been something that I've noticed on on ABC Radio mm -hmm. constantly, and it's annoying me thoroughly. But I, I need to find out when you use the T H E yes. before a vowel. Mm -hmm. It's particularly noticeable when they say the ABC. Mm -hmm. It, to me, the ABC uh, yes. always used to say the before a vowel, mm -hmm. and it just flows, but now it's constantly the, T-H-E. Okay. Is there a reason, or have you yes. all been... Um, there, is, there is a sort of reason. Um, the rule is the plus a vowel, so the apple, the umbrella, and the plus a consonant, the book, the microphone, and so on. If you, but you actually did it. You said the ABC, the ABC, all right? And that little catch in the middle, it's called the glottal stop. And in some languages, like Arabic and Hebrew, that's a consonant. And we don't actually count it in English. It just happens. But normally, the apple, the apple that's a glide, if you actually produce a pause, the apple, it actually sort of puts in a consonant. And so we behave as if it were a consonant, even though we don't think about it like that way. Um, people are getting very confused when they slow down speech. The, the, the book meaning I'm really emphasizing this is the book, the very important, outstanding book. This is the book of the year. So people can actually break the rules for reasons of emphasis and meaning. But you're quite right. There's a, a, a bit of a, uh, a shift going on here. Uh, but as far as Kat and I are concerned, it's the ABC. There you go. Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you, Valerie. Uh, I'll have uh, milk and sugar in the all grey. Thank you. Or. Oh, thank you. <laughs> or. Or. or um, it is a quarter to three. Uh, Rolly Sussex, pleasure and privilege as always, but it's time for your last word. This is two 19th century politicians who didn't like each other, Disraeli and Gladstone in Britain. And Disraeli said about Gladstone, he has not one single redeeming defect. <laughs> Ow! Ow! Hush. On your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.